Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. First come back. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Burrows, and I'm joined by two of my co-hosts today. This is good. I've got them both here with me. I've got my regular co-host I see more than anyone in my entire family, Mr. Adam Cousins. Ads, how are you, mate? Yeah, I've calmed down after yesterday. The rant was over. Yeah, for anyone that heard our raw review yesterday, uh, <laughs> yes, that was a, that was somewhat interesting. Uh, talking of rants, this man's really good at it. It's oh, only, it's only, uh, it's only, uh, it's only Dave, Dave Robertson. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. I've had one rant like hey, ever. I'm the most rude. positive wrestling <laughs> fan you'll find, and I get one rant, and and I've done here the last of it. We yeah, have to put it up there, Dave. Like you know, you are our AEW guru. You are our guy go-to guy so for the first time that you swore about an aew match we had to get it on there yeah, yeah but what on happens now is people sure. jump on that and they say even this aew guy this mad fan hates aew like that's what that's <laughs> yeah. what people will be saying <laughs> uh but uh boys we uh we've had some great wrestling guests on we've had some mm. former wrestlers we've had current wrestlers let's we're, we're we're dipping our toes into wrestling journalism today uh mm. Adam, super excited for this guest, my friend. Yeah. Who have we pulled out the bag today? Well, we have pulled out a bag of great wrestling journalists and was also a pro wrestling manager up until 2015 mm-hmm. before he decided to give up fooling around getting hurt and moving on to wrestling journalism. Mm, slightly controversial. We, 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 you know, you may know him from a, a certain press scrum that happened um, about a year ago that, uh, kind of irritated a certain Pepsi drinking wrestler that some of us still know and love, uh, who may be returning soon. Who knows? But Nick Holzman, welcome to our show. And it's, it's evening for us, but I understand it's afternoon for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's two o'clock here in Chicago. I just got back from walking my dog. It's 80 degrees. It's gorgeous. And uh, I'm ready to talk some wrestling or whatever, whatever you guys want to pick my brain about here today. You know, I feel like I'm on the, I'm on the receiving end of a scrum here today with, I got three of you <laughs> looking at me. Where's my muffin? Where's my spin trip? I got some things I want to tell you people. I'm upset with management, you know? <laughs> he wants to make a complaint to the hit in the turnbuckle management. Oh God. Uh, hang on, I'll go and get me up. Yeah, around. go and get Rachel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nick, it's, um, it's great to have you on our show, Nick. Um, we always start off with the same question that we ask all our guess it'd be interesting to get your view from a, a journalist side as well what do you think of the state of professional wrestling in 2023 i think the state of pro wrestling is very very strong in 2023 uh if it's gonna it, will it be as strong in 2025 i think it's kind of the question right now you know are we at kind of peak strength you know i i think that the interesting one of the most interesting things to come out in the past week or so is the comment Tony Khan made about how Collision is part of the existing AEW deal with Warner Media or Warner Brothers Discovery and is not part of some new TV rights deal that they've put together for the next five years or whatever. So we don't know exactly uh, what the commitment's going to be. Obviously, I think Warner Brothers Discovery is waiting to see if Tony and AEW can pull it off. Can everybody get along? Can everybody show up? Can everybody be backstage? Can everybody make great storytelling? And can everybody draw viewers in, right? So there's that wait and see. Over on the WWE side of things, similarly, we don't know exactly where they're going to go, but with 
Ari Emanuel and Endeavor behind them, the whole UFC machine, now a part of their machine. It really seems like WWE is in an uncompromising position. They are going to be around forever and will likely get a very strong TV deal. So I think that both companies are very strong right now. Uh, will they be? Will both of them be even stronger in two years? That's a wait and see, and that's more on AEW's end here at the moment. Yeah, mm. definitely. Nick, just a quick question about um, <clears throat> wrestling, or how much wrestling's on TV now. Do you think that is partially? We we see a lot of these attendance figures, and we see a lot of these these lot of dodgy shots where there's hardly anyone in in the arenas and stuff like that. Is there now too much wrestling? Um. I, I think that's kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? You know, uh, look at soap operas, you know, on television. I'm sure everywhere in the world there's some version of five days a week soap yes, operas, we right? Have three of them. Yeah, right? You got exactly. And there's people that watch all three of them, right? There's people that yeah. watch all the soap operas every day. They love soap operas. And the way that people get hooked on those things is by the stories and the characters, right? People watch soap operas for very specific tropes. They watch them for the evil twin or the embezzling sugar daddy or whatever it may be, right? They watch pro wrestling. They 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 want to watch it. They want to watch all of it. They want to stay addicted to it, but they want to be given the things that they uh, that they come there for, right? And so I think if you're going to be presenting this much pro wrestling right now, which is fine, you just got to make sure you can uh, deliver the goods and and spread around enough creative right now to, to keep people invested. You know, AEW, um, they usually have one or two stories going into a pay-per-view, but it's not uncommon for the undercard to kind of be thrown together a little bit last minute. Uh, I really hope here with Collision that they're able to slow down and give more for other people to do, create other storylines specifically for the women where you're not just tuning in for just one or two kind of top-shelf programs. You're tuning in because every segment's going to have something that's advancing some kind of story in some meaningful way. Um, WWE's a little bit better at that at the moment. I think their machine's a little bit more polished. Um, and AEW can do it, too. I mean, there's a lot of smart minds there, and there's a lot of good things they're doing right now. Uh, I just I, 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 I think that's going to be the... The real secret sauce here with as much content as they're putting out. Exactly. And just a quick other question. Do you think we're going to see more? We know WWE are doing a lot more international shows. Because um, it seems to be, and we've been talking about this recently, Dave and Andy and, and myself, the crowds just seem to be a, a bit dead, even in some of these louder locations where Chicago is always a bit loud. We always know when you go to Chicago, you're going to get the crowd. Last few weeks, it seemed, I mean, we've learned you hear a lot more piped crowd noise, you know, WWE. We had a little bit, Andy, you mentioned it, we had a little bit on AEW recently. Mm -hmm. Do you think nowadays, because of the success and the, even the crowd noise that's being made at Puerto Rico, obviously they're, they're coming over to London in, in a couple of weeks um, and they're going to get a great noise there. All in's happening at Wembley uh, Stadium, 60 odd thousand at the minute. It's, we're going to see this more often now from wrestling companies over in the States. <clears throat> Uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, piping and crowd noise? Is that what no, you're no, about? more international tours. So more sort oh. of events coming over to different countries in that. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think that's part of the new model for WWE. I mean, you know, one of the, I think they would have. I think they would have been doing this two years ago had we not had the pandemic. I yeah. think we'd already be there. You know, I I think it would be even bigger. You know, the way Hunter was being positioned at the time, or wh the way he was positioning NXT and the and developmental at the time. 
is they were going to franchise this this gimmick. They were going to franchise this. They were going to put performance centers in eight countries, and they're all going to have NXTs, and they're all going to have television rights deals, and they're all going to be flooding back to WWE, and they were going to be doing shows all over the world all the time. I, I think we're now kind of just getting the wheels moving back in the direction they were headed two years ago because there's so much upside for them with doing these international shows. You're not burning out all your, your United States markets right now. Chicago's not getting four big shows a year, so it's special when they come here. And I think to your point about the crowd noise, it is noticeable when they do a pay-per-view in another country and make it a big deal, a show like Backlash in Puerto Rico that used to just kind of be a, a foregone kind of whatever, we're going to St. Louis kind of pay-per-view. Now this thing's got a, a big name attached to it and Bad Bunny. It's got this really unique location. The fans feel special. And when the fans feel special, you're going to get those special kind of moments, those special kind of reactions. So I think they're going to do, I think they're going to ride this train to the wheels come off. You know, four or five United States shows, pay-per-views throughout the year. But I think they're going to try to hit, I think they're going to try to hit as many places, many major international markets as they can in the coming years. Yeah. Mm. Triple H has already said there's going to be an NXT Europe, isn't he? He's going to be launching by the end of the year. So, yeah. Sorry, Dave. Go on, mate. Yeah, Nick, um, I caught the NXT show at the weekend. Uh, I hadn't watched any NXT for a while. Uh, I thought it was an absolutely great show. And they've kind of returned, or they seem to return to some of the good things they were doing a few years ago with the takeovers. It's got that kind of feel to it. Um, Over on the AEW side, um, they've got Ring of Honor. And I don't know if you were a fan of the original Ring of Honor, um, whether you are kind of a fan of them bringing it back. Um, it doesn't appear they want to use it as a feeder company. Um, are you afraid the Ring of Honor is kind of getting a little bit lost in the shuffle? Uh, what do you see for the future of Ring of Honor? Because it doesn't seem like Warner Brothers are too interested in in giving Ring of Honor their own show. I think you're right about lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's a. I think it's something Tony has his heart in. I liked Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was always too cool for me. Like I could, I don't know. I never felt cool enough. <laughs> The guys who watched Ring of Honor, I was like, I don't know, you guys seem too cool for me. Uh, but uh, no, I like Ring of Honor. I, I, I have a lot of friends that came up in Ring of Honor. And, you know, I think that um, I think it is a great thing that Tony has because there are going to be certain things that Warner Brothers Discovery are not going to want to let him do, like work with the Briscoes, obviously, big example. And so when those things come along that Tony wants to do things or wants to work with a person that he can't otherwise, for whatever reason, in the AEW Warner umbrella, he has this other play playground to do it. You know, um, I think that we will see Ring of Honor become some kind of feeder system. I don't know if Tony will outright say that. I think he's going to continue to try to push that it is its own kind of brand. But just look at what it is, right? It's a showcase for independent talent and talent that are not actively really used on AEW TV. And if they do have a good Ring of Honor match, then they'll get other opportunities, you know? And so, like, I don't know how else to look at it, you know, other than other than some kind of feeder system. Um, and and that's no, there's no shame in that. WWE has embraced that NXT is this place where we bring in young talent, we shine them up, and we get them working with some names from the main roster to learn. And then when they're ready, we'll bring them along to some of the bigger shows. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why. I don't know why he would try to fight it and present it as something else. It's 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 good if it is that, in my opinion. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Nick, just while we're talking about AEW, do you think they're kind of running before they can walk? I Rampage ratings are not great. Dynamite every week ratings 
are okay. I mean, Dave and Adam might know a little bit more than me. Now we're getting collision. It seems that they're trying to do so much so quickly. Do you think they need to maybe pump the brakes a little bit? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's, I mean, look, it's a wrestling's a land grab. If you can make more money doing more content and take it, you know, and then take the money and then figure it out later. Um, mm. I, I, from what I hear about the deal, uh, much like, uh, uh, Dave was saying, Warner brothers, not really interested in ring of honor. So they're going to go off to the side here and Tony can continue to do with that, whatever he really wants. But with AEW land, uh, Rampage is going to be like this floating show, right? Where if if there's a uh, if it needs to be moved around, if they need to put it on a Saturday, if they need a bumper to lead into something, if they need a bumper to come out of something, they have this little one hour thing that'll float around. It'll be like Sunday Night Heat, and, and it's better well redefined like that. And Warner wants to have a show like that. They want a floater show that they can kind of push around if need be. That's just what I've heard. Um, and then you have Rampage and Collision, um, which, man, look. This is going to be fascinating to watch play out. If the elite and punk really have not gotten back on the same page and they are going to be on different rosters, they are going to be competing to put on better shows for real. They're going to be, they're going to be competing to draw more viewers for real. Right. And that could result in some very, very good television for pro wrestling fans. So I I think it's great, but kind of like we were talking about earlier, like, is there too much wrestling? Maybe, but no, if you're doing stuff that people like and people are checking it out and they're interested in it, then if there's a demand, then you're doing great, you know? Mm. Exactly. Yeah. No. We don't have to talk about the, the elephant in the room where you you was there when this all happened. You weren't necessarily backstage, but you, you it started kind of with you <laughs> a little bit. Um, was the energy in there, could you kind of... When he was going off, and um, we we don't know the look, we don't know the ins and outs. We're not, you know, we know kind of what happened. We we hear what happened on the, the dirt sheets. Everything's all hush hush. They can't talk about it. Fair enough. Was the energy in there palpable? Where you think when he left that seat when he finished that something was going to happen, or did you just think it was just one of those? He's he's he's, he's pissed off, so that's it. I did not see the fight coming. No. I, I I'll say that I thought it was hot. I, you know. I thought it was really, I thought it, I was kind of laughing at it just because of, you know, what you're uncomfortable. What else can you do but laugh? I was just ah, sitting here like, <laughs> I think if you could see me and nobody could, I think I, I spent the whole time with my hand over my mouth just because I was like, I didn't want to, I could, I just wanted to react with my eyes. I didn't want anybody to see how my mouth was reacting to some of this stuff because it was just so outrageous. Right. And yeah. as I'm watching it too, you know, I've never had the privilege of being in a UFC press scrum right <laughs> like the real where there's like the real fighters that hate each other and have to have pull aparts yeah. um but this this was probably the closest i've had to that kind of vibe you know you knew it was real you knew there was something to it um i didn't see a fight coming but i thought it was going to be something they would capitalize on i really did i was sitting here and i was like man this is brutal but man i can't wait i was sitting there i was like i can't wait till wednesday <laughs> you know, yeah. there was no Wednesday. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's no good. You know. <laughs> so I, I thought I in the moment I thought it was outrageous, crazy, and something they were gonna hopefully make money with, which did not turn out to be you the case. You kind of made a good point just then though, when you mentioned we were talking previously about obviously they haven't had their potentially haven't spoken yet, I think there's still legal issues going on to see if they can sort out. Sometimes the best feuds are when there's legitimate beef behind it because there's more emotion there's more stuff put into it 
Edge and Matt Hardy. Yeah, Edge and Matt Hardy for one for one of those reasons. Surely Tony Khan secretly is rubbing his hands and thinking, come on, just you know, just sort your differences out so we can put this together. Well, I think it's maybe two things that are, and I don't want to get inside Tony's head or speak mm. for Tony. No, no. Um, I think it's two things. One, I think, yeah, he would love to put on the match between the elite and punk. Right. I think he would like to make that money. And I think he'd like to see everybody get them back on the same page. And I think that would be option number one. Option yeah. number two here is I'm going to try to say this is not <laughs> I'm going to try to say this politically as possible. The other option is somebody's got to go. Right. And there's a reason he's keeping punk around. Punk is valuable, obviously, in the discussions with Warner Brothers Discovery. It sounds as if they've acknowledged Punk's value and in, in wanting to have him back in the fold. If it if it's something where uh, people can't get past anything, maybe he's keeping Punk around with the idea that I'm gonna have I have this guy under contract longer than the other guys, and if I can't get that, at least I'm gonna keep this and I'm gonna get something else out of it another way. So uh, Tony's in a real rough spot. I am unenviable of Tony's position right now. Uh, you know, a lot of people seem to think that Tony like can make his own decisions, which I'm not saying that dismissively like he can't, but everybody in this situation has their own lawyers and their own little guardrails and their own little situations and their own little paperwork. And there's, he can make his own decisions, but those decisions are based on a lot of other factors, a lot of other things hanging over his head right now. And it's, it's, it's rough. It's, it sounds t- it's, it's rough, but man, what a rough, what a great rough spot to be in. What a, you know, Talking of uh, great rough spots, uh, Nick, just briefly, uh, obviously, do wrestling journalists, in your opinion, get such a, do they get a bad rap? Because every day we log on social media and a wrestler has quote tweeted a journalist or, you know, they, they've come back with a comment, you know, saying this isn't true or you're just making this up. And I mean, journalists all over the world seem to somehow get a bad rap but obviously we're involved in the wrestling community you're heavily involved in what you do and you're very good at what you do but do you think that wrestling journalism is kind of sometimes it's shit on a little bit because you know they're not taken as serious as quote unquote journalists that work for cnn or you know some of these big news companies because every day you're seeing some back and forth on social medias with wrestlers seem to be coming back at journalists just to add, uh, to been, that, sorry Nick, yeah. just, just to Go add ahead. to add on to Andy's mess. Do you think that you're also an easy target? So like you <laughs> put out, you you will get something. So you'll get a, you'll get something from somewhere like a you know a source or whatever. Now, you put it out there because your source is trustworthy. Trust the source. You put it out there. It doesn't happen. Last minute change. Something happens. You get shit on. <clears throat> Well, that's never happened with me. Oh, okay. I've never, I've never, I, and that's the thing is like, mm-hmm. I, I, I've never put out anything that's wrong or been proven wrong or otherwise turned out. Like, I also don't do a lot of backstage stuff. So if I put out something that's like a, a behind the scenes report mm-hmm. exclusive, then that's dead to rights. That's usually hundred percent on the money or not usually always hundred percent on the money. Mm-hmm. Most of my stuff's on the record. I, I'll, I'll go to the person that everybody's talking about and go, Hey, everybody's talking about this WTF. Can you give me some insight? You know? Um, and in regards to, I think that the wrestling press gets beat up on too much. I think all press gets beat up on too much. You know, it is, uh, it's not like you're a, a cobbler where you make a good pair of shoes and people are like, oh, it's a good pair of shoes. You know, you have a little debate about whether or not you know, insoles or whatever, but it's like a tangible thing. Press is just this, it's like this, it's ethereal, right? Like what is news? You know, it's this like, you can't touch it. It just, you know, what pushes things around and moves things. Right. And, um, 
so I I think because of that, I think every all the press gets a bad rap because uh, it is it is this thing that's kind of amorphous and and some people can kind of see what they want in it. Um, I will also say that I think with pro wrestling, obviously you're dealing with pro wrestlers who are upset and these people's whole lives are cutting angry, mean promos. And it's not like if you, I covered golf, Tiger, I mean, maybe Tiger Woods would come up to me bleeding with a muffin and tell me to go F myself. <laughs> I don't really know. Does it seem like Phil Mickelson's the kind of guy to do that? Right. Sounds like they do that on live golf. <laughs> yeah. They're, well, you know, <laughs> John Daly probably would, um, you know, but, you know, in other sports, there's other sports, other mediums. There's a little bit more respect between the press and and their subjects. Um, and I would like to see more of that. I, I do think that it is in the nature of pro wrestlers to cut loud, angry promos. And that's why it looks worse than it really is when it's really just the same thing that happens in other industries. But in ours, it's all turned up to 11. I mean, you look at politics and yeah, there was always like a, a, back and forth between the press and, you know, the, the politicians in Washington, but wasn't until WWE hall of famer, Donald Trump came <laughs> along that people like really hated the press all of a sudden, you know, that's not a coincidence. You know, they were just exposed to how wrestlers deal with things kind of deal, you know? Yeah. Nick yeah. on the, on top of um, your opinion on the criticism of the wrestling press, what is your opinion on criticism of fans? Um, it seems like there's a lot of hate at times towards like the real passionate fans, the fans, you know, they're called marks and, you know, the fans that want to be up to date. They want to know everything about every company, about every wrestler, just because they absolutely love the product. Um, I've heard Triple H in the past, you know, say about fans wanting to ruin it for themselves because they don't want any surprises. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think they're just, absolute fanatics you know what what's your take on the criticism of fans at times oh i i don't have any criticism of fans i no, i think that yourself. anybody oh no i mean but i I'm, I'm just saying i don't i don't i don't understand it i don't understand yeah. people who judge like people's love of something some people love things more than others right some people love something so much that may make it a career right like how are you gonna how are you gonna trash somebody over that i i, I never understood I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, it, and I hate to keep going back to soap operas, but like some people like to watch a soap opera in the afternoon for a little bit and just catch a little bit. Oh, I heard that this big angle is going to happen midweek. I'll check that out. You know, I don't need to watch the rest of it. Other people are watching soap operas every day. Other back in my day, I'm 38 years old. Uh, I had relatives who would call 800 numbers or 900 numbers to get spoilers on soap operas that's how texas i am that's how small town texas i am and you know that that's what they love it's the same thing with rest some people can't wait some people want to know they just love it that much or they love it that way and god bless them you know i i don't i don't judge anybody who likes them just just don't be a jerk you know be good yeah. be a good person love anything you want as much as you want yeah how how much uh sorry i just really quickly how oh, yeah. much as uh social media changed wrestling journalism me and adam and i know dave we've mentioned this quite a lot i i missed the good old days of not knowing what's happened on a show if i happen to have missed it or i've got an alert on my phone saying this has happened or that's happened you know uh, i mention it all the time you the opening of raw when you saw all the signs there wasn't a, a a cell phone in sight is social it plays a great part in wrestling nowadays and the modern day wrestling but I, I think sometimes social media is to the detriment of wrestling. I mean, what kind of role do you have you seen over the years, especially in what you do now? It, it really helps wrestling journalism, but sometimes I just think, oh man, 
I wish Twitter, Twitter wasn't around. Um, I think that I think social media is good for pro wrestling. Anything that gives a bigger platform for people to consume pro wrestling, I think is is good. Um, I think we're I think in the coming years, and this is just kind of a prediction based off of like different nerdy podcasts I listen to. I don't think that spaces like Twitter and Facebook will be as as prevalent. I think that you know we got the internet. And everybody decided we all needed to talk to everybody all at once, all the time about everything. Cause we could, right. We just, Oh my God, we could do this thing. Let's all do it. Um, I think we're all burned on that. You know, you're, you're already starting to see it. These smaller communities popping up of people where it's like, Hey, I want to be over here just talking about this. Hey, I just want to be over. We don't really need this big, great forum. Right. I think you'll see more of that. And for that reason, I think you'll get, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled by something, you'll be in a, in a different community. If you do want to be spoiled, you'll probably be in a different community than that. And, and I think we're going to be moving more in that direction in kind of the coming years. <laughs> um, uh, But no, and the, the one thing I will say about social media that I think is kind of messed up the pro wrestling journalism side of things is it's allotted too much content. And I don't think that there are good aggregators all the time that know the difference between something that's just like a dumb thing that's really not that newsy and something that's like meaningful, right? Like there's a difference between a post that's like about somebody going to the store or like whatever. And then somebody who's like, Oh, here's a contract update or an injury update. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I think when you're, when you're aggregating everything, nothing means anything. And mm -hmm. so I would, I would like to see a little bit better job sometimes of focusing on things that are actual conversations uh, conversation pieces that are actual news because there's a lot of stuff that gets aggregated for no reason. I understand why people do it. So. Mm, no, true, true. Nick, just uh, we we play a couple of games with wrestlers, and I'd like to ask a couple of questions that we would normally ask a wrestler before we ask oh you because you've done this before. Um, sure. And then we want to get into a bit of inside the ropes because we know we're good friends of those guys, and you know we we work with those, so we'll get into them in a minute. Um, Great. First question is um, favorite arena that you've been to to watch wrestling and why. My favorite arena that I've been to to watch wrestling. Um, I really like the United Center. Uh, I've had, uh, I thought that I, I had not, I don't think I'd ever really been to a United Center show until the punk show because I don't, nobody really runs it. Um, I liked, I like that vibe a lot. I like the MGM Grand Arena. That's a really fun one. Um, and then I, I would be remiss if I say, uh, I, I, I do really like the 2300 Arena. You could just feel, like yeah. it's nothing. It's like you could just feel the ghosts and the the memories there. It's a very interesting space. Interesting. Um, favorite wrestling uh mu entrance music. Uh, I really liked as a kid Mick Foley's Crash. Yeah. So I'll go with that. Okay. Cool. Uh, favorite entrance from a wrestler. Favorite entrance, the the Shawn Michaels zipline entrance is still, my, and as I, I I think it means more to me because I was a kid and I watched it live and I just thought it was like, and I and here's the reason I thought it was cool, cooler like the night or two before that mania, what what was that thirteen with him and Brett where he came from the ceiling, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, all right, uh, so the the night before uh they did the slammies on USA, it was yeah. like an hour long, it was yeah. the infamous one where. Uh, Sable dropped the robe and only had like latex on or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I so oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, I don't know, that's, I don't know that's, what you're that, talking about, Nick. <laughs> that's, that's the spot. <laughs> but on that, Sean won for best entrance, and yeah. he won for the in your house where he came in swinging on a rope from the top of the in your house hat uh, house. And I remember him 
except you. And he goes, if you guys thought that was good, you have no idea what I got planned for tomorrow. And I waited all day. I was like, what does he mean by that? Then he ziplined in from the top of the building and totally delivered on it. So the whole sequence there really paid off for me. I liked um, him. At, I was at I was at WrestleMania 25, and it was him and Undertaker's one, the first match they had. Well, not the first match they had, but their first. You know, yeah, he come down from heaven, Taker rose from hell. I, that's still my favorite to this day. I, it, brilliant that was. Um, just lastly, before we move on to Inside the Ropes, you get a chance to put a dream match together, past, present, and an up and comer. Who would you choose? In, past, in, present, up and comer. Yeah. Past, present, up and comer. Um, man, Owen Hart, I'd love to get back in the mix with some people. So I'll throw Owen out there. Uh, big Mustafa Ali fan. I'll put Owen in there with Mustafa. And then as far as an up and comer goes, uh, who who should I who should I who am I loving right now from the independent scene? I mean, I'm always a big Janela fan, or I you know Effie. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's say Effie. Effie, Mustafa Ali, and Owen Hart. What a match. Good match. <laughs> wow, that's money. That is money. That is pretty money. Touch your point quickly, Nick, before we start wrapping up. Inside the ropes. Uh, so we know these guys. We go on their tours. We love them. We think they're great. Kenny's a great guy. We actually got one of the team, Fiona. She does some of our NWA stuff with me. Uh, we've had another one of the team, Molly Spartan, on to... That was a, a good interview just before well, she was getting a bit criticized from uh, Russo and so. But how are you getting on with the Inside the Ropes guys? And are you enjoying what you're doing with them? <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, they're a great crew. Uh, you know, again, I kind of run my own thing at House of Wrestling, and so then I yep. go over to Inside the Ropes, and I work with those guys, and they got a slack room just for me to, to like, talk to their team. <laughs> uh, I was talking, I was, uh, I thought it was so cool. We're, we're big Eurovision people in this house. Mm-hmm. We're diehard Eurovision people. Finland got boned. <laughs> um, for all you Eurovision fans. So I love getting in there and, and chatting with actual people in the UK about Eurovision. It was going on. My wife and I popped big for that. Um, and they're just really nice people. Kenny, Kenny and Dante, both the guys that run that place, yeah. very professional, nice, good-hearted individuals. The relationship is strong. It's going very well. And uh, hopefully, maybe we'll see here a little house wrestling ITR news in the coming weeks, I'll tease there since you since you asked about it. But you know, okay. we're just getting started, guys. We're just getting going. So, well, we're going to see the Bischoff's tour um, in September. We're looking, it was one of the first tours they put on in a while. They've got Gangrel coming over, um, but this is the first tour they've put on in London in a while. Uh, I can't wait. It's one of my, Eric Bischoff is one of my favorite guys to. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> I well, I, 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 please send my best. I haven't spoken to Eric since our, our podcast ended, uh, yes. but he, uh, he is, uh, he's very, you know, uh, <laughs> he's a very interesting guy. And probably has had more of an impact on me than I would like to say or would would probably understand. I mean, I, he was hugely influential for me as a kid. And, I, you know, I wanted to be Bischoff as a kid. I'd watch the WCW Nitro guys and you and maybe it's just because he was the little guy. But you could kind of like see yourself like, oh, man, if I was in the NWO, I'd maybe be easy. Right. I'd just be like the the guy the guy <laughs> you know <laughs> know a little bit of karate something like that so uh uh yeah he he's a very interesting guy very interesting guy nick uh, would you like to see eric back at some point in a prominent role in wrestling whether that's in one of the big companies or somewhere like impact wrestling i think eric would tell you that's his his time prior doing that is is probably past you know i think eric if he was going to get back into wrestling on any kind of regular level um, would probably best be used. Um, 
I mean, he's got a he's got a he's got an interesting mind for the business. You got to put a governor on creative, it. Creative, I think he'd be good. I think if you put him in a creative room and, and maybe didn't have to have, have him work on the money, mm-hmm. I think Eric would. I think Eric would be all. I think he'd probably be happy and 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 would contribute best to the. And you know, he can make a, occasional appearances and stuff on screen, but I think that he'd probably be happier doing something like that where mm-hmm. he just kind of creatively in a space where he feels comfortable. He tried it at WWE, but that uh, that machine was never meant for him yeah him and Heyman just uh yeah that kind of that ended before it even begun um Nick it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast uh we say this a lot about wrestling people you know you see things going backwards and forwards on Twitter and here's things about wrestling journalism and stuff like that it's been an absolute honor to sit down and speak with you and obviously hear like hear it directly from the horse's mouth kind of thing you know like I say, you see all this stuff on social media. It is pro wrestling. It's all dialed up to 10 and 11. But it's been an absolute blast sitting down and chatting to you for the last mm-hmm. half, half an hour, my friend. So uh, thank you so much for coming on our show. No, I, it was my pleasure. I'm really glad you guys reached out. You guys do great work. And, you know, I think that, you know, this was a very smart conversation. I'll say that. Like, I'm sure that you're I hope your listeners got their money's worth here today because I thought we covered a lot of ground. And these are the kind of conversations I like to have, just like the business of the business conversation. Mm. So I, I had a blast here today. Brilliant. Nick, before you go, please plug away your, your stuff. Where can they find you? What are you doing? And where are you been? Sure. House of Wrestling, H-A-U-S of Wrestling dot com. That is the home mother base of everything House of Wrestling. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, Premier Streaming Network at noon Eastern. You can find me with the House of Wrestling. Uh, I guess we'll call it the flagship show. It's like a newsroom show. I usually welcome on some news personalities. We've had Dave Meltzer, Wade Keller, Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, come on. Uh, I talk to the people that are uh, part of the news or are breaking the news so you can hear right from them, just like you're hearing from me here today about this content. Um, we premiere on premiere at noon Eastern, and then we drop the audio over on the House of Wrestling podcast feed. Of course, I do Inside the Ropes. Once a week, uh, some big interview. We had Medusa this week. Uh, next week, we're going to have the Blue Meanie. And then the week after that, I think it's Jimmy Cordero. So we got a lot We got a lot going on here. Um, and uh, yeah, just, that, that's it. Yeah, find us on social media. And, and thank you guys again for the time. It was really nice. It was a fun time. Uh, no problem, Nick. The pleasure was all ours, my friend. Well, Adam, Dave, uh, it's been another great episode of the Hit in the Turnbuckle uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Check us out on all socials at HTTBuckle on Twitter. YouTube, just type in Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. You will find us on Facebook. You'll find us everywhere. TikTok, but this has been Andy. TikTok. TikTok. Oh, we're now on TikTok soon. I'm showing my age. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just absolutely everywhere. But Nick, thanks so much, my friend. We wish you uh, every success for the future, my man. And we hope we get to do this again with you someday. Uh, This has been the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. I've been your host, Andy Burrows, with Adam and Dave. Till next time, everybody, buckle down and stay safe. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. Twitter, you can find us at HTT Buckle. Facebook, just search the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. <laughs>